This morning, we are concluding our sermon series, The Gospel According to Jacob, and our scripture is a couple verses in uh, Genesis 48 and then a verse in Genesis 49. So, verse 15 in Genesis 48. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And then verse 33 in Genesis 49. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Well, hey, good morning. It's good to be with you. Um, Well, we began this summer in a series called The Gospel According to Jacob, looking at the life of Jacob. And we were there for 10 weeks and we took a break and then ever since essentially October, we've been in it finishing up and we're finally at the end of Jacob's life. And in the midst of these final moments, Jacob says this in 48 verse 15, he says, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Jacob, when he's in his final moments, he looks back over his life. He looks back at his failures, as his struggles, as his doubts and his wanderings. And he says this, God has been my shepherd. We've said this a few times throughout the series that this is actually the first time in the scriptures that God is called a shepherd. Uh, Early on in my Christian walk in college, um, there was a, a quote um, that was, was reading, and, and it said this. this is from A.W. Tozer. He said this, what, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about this for a moment. Um, what Tozer is suggesting is that what you think about God is more important right now than what's in your bank account. Uh, what, what Tozer is suggesting is that what's more important right now in your life is what you think about God than, than, than the letters that come before your name. What, in other words, Tozer is saying the most important thing is what you think about God. So, so let me ask you, when you think about God, what comes into your mind? Because for Jacob, the very end of his life, he says this, God is my shepherd, all my days. Now, there's certainly many other places in Scripture that reveal various attributes and characteristics and what God is like that are significant. But in light of this series, in light of Jacob and where he lands at the end of his life, I want to dial in here and I want to ask this question for you. What if you knew God as your shepherd? What if you knew in your life, all your days, that God was a shepherd to you? 
How, how, would, that, how would that change you? Not just a couple hours a week, but significantly. What if you knew it deep down? So, two questions this morning. The first is this. What does it mean? What does it mean to have God as a shepherd? And then secondly, how do you live in light of God as a shepherd? So let me pray and we'll, we'll get in. Father, this morning, would you give us eyes to see you for who you are? And would you give us eyes to see ourselves for who we are? And would you change us? We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, firstly, what does it mean to have God as a shepherd? Um, Think about this way. When God says, or excuse me, when Jacob says, God is my shepherd, it, it says something about God, but it also says something about Jacob and how he views himself. So, for example, Jacob could have said at the end of his life, God has been my coach all my life long to this day. I don't know if they had coaches back then, but he could have said it, right? And that would have said something very significant about who, how he saw himself. If he was his coach, he would have been like, I need some expertise. I need some training. I need some advice. I need some skills. You help me, God. But, but he says shepherd. And that means Jacob views himself as a sheep. A sheep. Now, what you need to know, right now you have an image of a sheep in your mind, and it's all cute and it's cuddly, and that seems very nice, but you need to know that that's not a compliment, okay? Uh, one commentator noted this, sheep are helpless, they're foolish. Do you know that this, that sometimes sheep can be eating, and they will walk off a cliff, You may know this, sheep, they're not ferocious, right? They're not ferocious. They are incredibly vulnerable. They can't defend themselves. They need constant care and constant attention. And this means as Jacob looks back over his life, do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I am a sheep left to myself. I am foolish, I am vulnerable, and I won't make it. And if you've been here at any point during this series and you've heard about Jacob and who he is, you've seen it over and over again. He's foolish and he's self-destructive. So here's the humble beginning. What does it mean to have God as your shepherd? It means to identify as a sheep. And let me put it this way. For some of you, your life may look different than Jacob's life. Your life on the outside might appear to have your life all put together. But nonetheless, if you're going to know God as a shepherd, you have to understand you're a sheep. You have to recognize you're not spiritually savvy. You are vulnerable. You are sinful. You are deeply flawed and broken. And let me just ask you, is, is that how you view yourself? You know, in Madison, it is really hard to admit you're a sheep. 
Most rooms that I'm in, whether it be a living room or in a classroom, and I'm around people of Redeemer City, oftentimes I'm the dumbest person in the room. There are so many smart people here, so many people who come here and get trained and are smart and wonderful and intelligent. But let me tell you what, if you're going to know God as a shepherd, spiritually speaking, you need to know you're a sheep. So at the very basic level of Jacob's life, his story in flashing lights is this. You and I need a shepherd because we're sheep. See, when Jacob looks back over his life, here's what he sees. He sees a God who has rescued him, gathered him, protected him, led him, and he knows apart from this God, where he is and who he is is a result of God being his shepherd. So secondly, what does it mean to live in light of God as a shepherd? And here's what I want to do. I want to look at four scenes chronologically from the life of Jacob. And I'll just put it this way. The closing, this closing message of this series, it's a little bit of an, of an anthology, a collection of various scenes. And here are two things I want you to see. In each one of these scenes, you're going to see what it means for God to be a shepherd in that scene. But you're also going to see what it means to be a sheep in that scene. And here's what I'll say. Along the way, what I want, you to, what I want to suggest to you is that you might actually locate where you are this morning in the life of Jacob. And therefore, you might actually locate who God is in light of what God did for Jacob. And it will give you actually perspective and wisdom in terms of what it would actually mean to have God as a shepherd. So four scenes, the first one running, the second suffering, the third wandering, and the last worshiping. So the first one running. Let me put it this way. Uh, Some of you this morning, you're not sure what you believe about God. And what's interesting in the life of Jacob, writ large in Jacob's life, is there's no way Jacob finds God unless God actually looks for him. Jacob is not spiritually savvy enough. The first time that Jacob encounters God, do you remember when it was? Jacob had just stolen the blessing from Esau, his older brother. And Esau had threatened his life. And so Jacob's running from Esau. And he gets to a place. And God shows up in a dream. And listen to what Jacob says, or what the text says in Genesis 28, 12. And he dreamed, Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set upon the earth and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, I've had some strange dreams, but that's a strange dream, right? But, but here's the thing. In, in the ancient Near East, the stairway to heaven, it was this. It was how humanity could interact with God. It was, it was this bridge that could close the gap between heaven and earth. And In this dream particularly, and how it happens, commentators note this. 
that it's actually God who initiates the stairway. It's not man going up. It's actually God coming down. He initiates it. He bridges the gap. And the other thing that's remarkable about this is think about this. Jacob has just deceived his brother. He's been self-destructive. He's cheated. He's lied. And that's when God shows up. And do you know what that means? If you thought the only thing in the world was karma, you're wrong. Because if Jacob got what he deserved, God would not show up at that moment and do that. This is God's grace. He encounters God's grace. And listen, this is really significant. One of the misconceptions many people think about God is that if he's going to be a shepherd to some or all, it'd have to be those who have their lives together. That this God who's a shepherd is, is one who has, is a shepherd to the moral, to the ethical. And that's one of the most surprising things about Jacob's story, is it upends that notion. Because that's not who Jacob is. He's pretty much one of the last people on the planet who you think God would show up to and be gracious to. And yet God is. And here's the most of us, and I'll speak this even to Christians, most of you live your life merit-based in your relationships. In other words, at work, or in your friendships, or in your marriage, most oftentimes you function this way, as if who I am and how I matter to them is what I bring to the table. And you carry that over into your relationship to God. But that's not how it begins or ends. Now, here's the thing. You might say, well, that's great for Jacob. I'm glad that God showed up in a dream for him. But he's never done that for me, right? It is unique. But let me remind you of something. Centuries later, in the Gospels, Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And he's talking about himself to one of the disciples. And he mentions this dream of Jacob. And listen to what he says in John chapter 1. Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Listen, uh, when Jesus, he goes back to the dream that Jacob had, and he says this to his disciples. He says, I'm the ultimate reality. The bridge between heaven and earth, the divide. I'm the one. I'm the place where heaven and earth meet. You want to encounter God's grace? It happens right here in me. That's what Jesus is saying. Let me put it this way. This morning, there are two ways to avoid God as your shepherd. Here's the first way, and you wouldn't think it's this way. The first way is to think before God would ever bless you, you need to be kind enough and moral enough and good enough. That's the first way to avoid God as your shepherd. You've got to come to the table and say, it's what I do. That's one way to avoid him. And that's what a lot of people think. If I'm just good enough. That the second way to avoid God as your shepherd is simply to say this. There's no way, based on what I've done and who I am, that God would ever be kind and gracious to me. 
I'm too bad. Do you understand how different that is? Those are the two ways to avoid him. You see, Jacob's life is absolutely upended by this encounter with God's grace. And that means, check this, to know God as your shepherd is actually to look outside of yourself. You see, trying to be good enough or saying I'm not good enough are both ways of relying on yourself. But what Jacob shows us is actually you have to look outside of yourself and you have to look at the spot where he's revealed it in the person and work of Jesus. That's the place where God's grace encounters you and meets you. All right, second scene, suffering. Uh, This is not a hard one uh, to relate to for many of you. Um, Some of you, if you're honest, uh, this has been a really hard season. And it might be because of marriage. It might be a hard season with kids. It might be some relationships, close friendships that have gone sideways. Maybe there are some, actually some good desires that you've been longing for and just haven't happened. And you've just been waiting. Or maybe it's vocationally, whatever it might be you know that right now life is hard. And listen, if you're in a season like that, here's what oftentimes you think and I think. If God was really my shepherd, shouldn't it be a little bit easier? Let me tell you something that's really important. Oftentimes, when you begin to actually follow Jesus, life actually gets harder. So, think for a moment back to the story of Jacob. Right after Jacob encounters God's grace at Bethel, when God shows up out of the blue in that dream, the next season of Jacob's life is 20 years with Uncle Laban. I don't know what your uncles are like. My uncles are great. Uncle Laban was not great. That season of Jacob's life was one in which his uncle cheated him, deceived him, used him. It was a season of him experiencing just injustice after injustice. But here's what you begin to see over those 20 years Jacob is changed, Jacob is transformed. Not perfectly, but he's different. In fact, some of you may remember, uh, Jacob, in a sense, he actually experiences uh, a little bit of his own medicine. He had deceived his brother, and now Laban deceives him. He experiences some of how he's treated others and how now others are treating him. But through that season, God is actually at work in his life, changing him. In other words, if he doesn't have those 20 years... The Jacob that we see at the end of his life, the one we saw last week, that is generous and honest and so forth, that's not who he is. And so when Jacob at the end of his life says this, God has been my shepherd all my days long, Jacob's saying those 20 years, God was my shepherd, even in those hard years. 
And this actually is really practical if you're in a hard season. Uh, Listen to this quote by an actual shepherd. This is what he says. A sheep is a stupid animal. Sheep proverbially follow one another and lose their direction continually in a way that cats and dogs do not. But even when they are found, they are never happy to be found. It is extremely difficult to bring a lost sheep home unless you have a dog to scare it. The lost sheep rushes rushes to and fro so that even when you find it, you must seize it, cast it down, tie its four legs together, and put it over the shoulder and carry it home struggling. Pastor Tim Keller puts it this way. Sheep never feel like they're being loved. And yet, it's all those places when you thought God was doing wrong, which you actually begin to see, maybe in retrospect, but he's actually at work in your life. And and listen, if that's true, then here's what you can know. If, If God is your shepherd and you're in hard season, do you realize this? He's still for you. There's actually purpose in the midst of whatever you are walking through, even if you don't realize it. Listen for a moment to Peter in his epistle in 1 Peter. He writes this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice two things here. One is, Peter says various trials. That's just a lump sum for anything hard. And Peter's saying this, It's actually in the pressure cooker of those trials that God's at work, just like when he heats a furnace and purifies metals. That's what God is doing. There's purpose in it. Even if you don't know it. I'll never forget uh, a number of years ago, getting an email from a friend who had been a mentor for a few years of ministry. And she had some unsettling news at uh, a recent visit to her doctor. There was a mass near her appendix, and she wasn't sure if it was cancerous or not. She wouldn't find out until the surgery itself. And yet, in the middle of the email, she asked for prayer, and she asked for prayer to help her trust God more and more with all of it. She asked for prayer for her husband, who she said, has to bear with me. And then she said this, I want to love well and trust well and serve others well right now. Let me put it this way. One of the things that you've got to learn in knowing God as your shepherd, when you walk through hard seasons, you see, it can be easy to serve him in the good times. It can be. And those are wonderful. But you want a depth of a relationship with a God where you don't know what's next, but you still trust him. And in the midst of that, you're actually trying to figure out how do I serve and how do I love well? That's the kind of character that God is trying to build in each one of us. So let me put it this way. You may feel horrible this morning. You may feel in some degree hopeless this morning. 
But if God is your shepherd, do you understand you have a reason for hope because God is at work and he's for you. And you may not feel it, you may not like it, but he is for you. Let me give you a really interesting challenge if you're in that season right now. Look out and ask yourself, where are you needed right now? What are the relationships around you where you can step in and look to others' needs and serve? You see, for Jacob, it was in that 20 years of wrestling, of suffering, that Jacob was changed. And that means he'll be at work in your life as well if God's your shepherd. Thirdly, wandering. There, there's, we were there a few weeks back, but there's a season in Jacob's life where he had actually just had some really profound experiences with God. He had legitimately wrestled with God and actually won. He had reconciled with his brother Esau. And then right after that, God had told him to go back to Bethel. And Jacob, instead of going back to Bethel, stops 20 miles short, and he settles down in the city of Shechem. And it's a tragic and fascinating scene in Jacob's life because he gets there and he he does set up an altar to God, but it's clear he's compromised because later on, he says to put away the foreign gods that are among you. And so it's a season of his life in which he's got one foot in the world and one foot in with God. He's wandering. And let's be honest. Many of us have been in that season, and some of us are right now. Our hearts are divided. We want to build our life, our identity on things of this world. We know what the scriptures say, but we don't want to do them. And like Jacob, oftentimes in that season... It leads to more pain in our lives. It did for Jacob. But let me give you some notion of what happens in that scene because what God does is remarkable. He's the one who actually calls to Jacob and says, arise and go to Bethel. God initiates with Jacob and says, return to the place where you first experienced my grace. And listen, some of you, as you are in a season of spiritual compromise, as you are wandering, you may think you may have wandered too far or too long, but listen, any parent will tell you this, is that if you have a kid who's wandering, it's not that you neglect the kids that are close to you, it's just that your heart actually is inclined even more. And that's exactly what we see with God. God initiates and says, come back. And in Genesis 35, 3, listen to what Jacob says as he returns. He says, then let us arise and go back to Bethel, that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Here's what's remarkable. Did you see what's happening there? 
Jacob has been unfaithful to God, and yet God has been faithful to him. Jacob says, God's been with me even in the season of wandering. And Jacob, in the midst of all the consequences he's facing, he calls out to God in his distress, and God answers. Do you understand what that means? That means if you've left God, he has not left you. And that's why Jacob can say, God has been my shepherd all my days long. All right, lastly, worshiping. Um, so the last two chapters of Jacob's life, 48 and 49 of Genesis, are actually brought up in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Houston last week mentioned this. It's, it's unique. Hebrews 11 is this kind of highlight reel of various peoples in the Bible's acts of faith. It's like if you want to look at their life and say, this is the highlight reel of when they exemplified faith, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews brings it up right there. And for Jacob, it's the final two chapters of his life. And that's remarkable because Jacob's had a lot of experiences. A lot of things have happened to him. But the author of Hebrews picks that out. And listen to Hebrews 11, what it says about Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Jacob, at the very end of his life, is worshiping. Have you ever thought about that? The final moments of his life, he's worshiping. And how can he worship? I think it goes back to chapter 48, 15, when he says this, God has been my shepherd all my days long. Because think about what it's meant for Jacob. He can look back over his life and he can see a God who has pursued him in his foolishness, a God who has been a shepherd to him even in his suffering and hardship, a God who has been a shepherd and faithful to him even in his wanderings, And it means this, if we really are sheep, foolish, full of doubt, fears, vulnerable, sinful, senseless at times, it means that Jacob has found him to be a God who has been to him, a God who offers comprehensive care and attention. Exactly the kind of shepherd we need. And listen, Jacob at the end of his life, he knew this. It's remarkable he knew this. But we actually know more. We know more about God as a shepherd, even today. Because in the Gospel of John, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters him. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice Jesus, he makes a distinction. He says, I'm not hired. Isn't like a $15 a week job for me, our job for me. 
No, I'm a shepherd. And I willingly lay down my life for my sheep. In other words, God comes down in the flesh. That's what Advent is all about. He's coming in the flesh, and he's saying this. You and I need comprehensive care. We need to be rescued, gathered, guided, led. And I've come to give my life for you. And when you realize that, when that sinks down deeper and deeper, the only thing left to do, the only thing left to do is worship, is offer your life to the one who has offered his life for you. Let's pray. Fathers, we uh, consider who you are and what it means for our lives. Um, Lord, would you, would you remind us of your faithfulness again and again? And would you enable us, wherever we are this morning, to locate ourselves in light of you being a shepherd, one who has come to rescue us, to gather us, and to lead us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.